I oftentimes doubted myself through this journey. I had to get out, out of my own way. I was playing my own movie and it wasn't necessarily true. Have the confidence and belief in yourself. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation. Welcome back to another great episode. Today, I have for you Marissa Freus, who is the CEO of the Entrepreneur Source, where she's worked her way up from manager to CEO in just over a decade. The Entrepreneur Source, in case you're not familiar with it, is a 35-year-old company that provides personalized coaching for people looking to transition out of their current career and find a path forward to self-sufficiency. The Entrepreneur Source helps individuals achieve their income, lifestyle, wealth, and equity goals through career ownership. Now, Marissa, welcome to Lead the Team, and I cannot wait to dig in today. Let's go. Thank you so much. I'm so excited and honored to be here, Ben. I'm I'm excited to, to be on this podcast with you. It's going to be a fun time. Yep. So give us a little breakdown before we get rolling on what the Entrepreneur Source is, because we kind of gave them a little <laughs> teaser, but maybe explain a little bit so people understand sure. Yep. So the Entrepreneur Source is a company that's been in existence for almost 40 years now. And the wonderful thing is we help individuals explore what we call their career 2.0. So people who are feeling either burnt out or tired of their typical corporate America environment and know that there has to be a better way out there for mm. them. They just don't know where to go, how to get started or what those options look like. And so they could work with one of our career ownership coaches who will show them some possibilities for what's next, specifically achieving self-sufficiency through franchising as a way to really take ownership over their lives and their careers. Fantastic. Sounds like a cool gig and a cool company doing a lot of good out of the world. Just curious, do you do you have a number? How many people roughly have you helped transition into this, this career ownership? Oh, thousands over our 40 wow. years. And we've probably helped hundreds of thousands of individuals just know what's next. So really, really mm-hmm. honored to be to be able to help that many people just know the possibilities available to them. And when you say career ownership, a lot of times it means that you own your career, but you also are owning a small business like a franchise. Is that typically the route that most people go? Yeah, exactly. Right. So when they work with a coach, the coach will show them different vehicles to success. And maybe it is staying in the typical corporate America environment, and they'll go through the pros and cons of that, as well as starting a business on their own. So from scratch, building it from the ground up. And then that third option is leaning on a franchise system to to start that business uh, on their own too. So, And what, what kind of franchises do people typically go into? Yep. So there's oftentimes misconceptions about that. When people hear franchising, they think fast food. There are so many different industries in the franchise community, whether it's elder care, pet care, um, cleaning services out there. I mean, a lot of local establishments that people visit, they probably don't realize it is a franchise. So that's a great thing too. working with a coach is they'll show you how many different industries and possibilities there are in the franchise industry. Yeah, it's great to have a partner in that because you're just diving in by yourself. It's probably hard to sort of narrow down the choices. And I did not know but probably should have realized that pet care 
Oh yeah. As, as, as a franchise, we have a yeah. six month old, we're now an eight month old puppy. Oh, you're going through the newborn stage. Oh, so, yes. I, yeah, we're kind of through a lot of it. At least I yeah. hope. But my goodness, that was yeah. a lot more than we bargained for. Well, let's yeah. let's let's dig into your journey, your sure. own entrepreneur's journey. Yeah. <laughs> what was your first job? And I tell you what, I want to go back a little bit further than that. What was a project that you worked on early in your career that shaped the leader you are today? And what did, what did you learn from it? Oh, gosh. So I'm going to actually think back when I first started here at the Entrepreneur Source, and I'm sure we'll touch on that initial question that you were just going to ask. Um, but this was really my first job out of college. So I feel like I've grown so much professionally here at the Entrepreneur Source. But once story stands out specifically. So when I first started here, I was starting on more of an internship basis. I had learned about the Entrepreneur Source. I actually grew up in the town that TES is located in, so got to know our founder a little bit. And so I was just interested in getting some business experience out of school, and I really didn't know what I didn't know at that point. And so when I first started, I was uh, working on a social media um, project, if you will. So the world of LinkedIn and social media posting and all that fun stuff mm -hmm. was just becoming more and more popular. And so I worked on a project that really was going to suit my needs, right? And not necessarily the audience it was intended for. And so I spent a lot of time and put a lot of work into creating social media content calendars and how-to guides and really creating a workbook or a playbook for our franchisees. And I thought, man, you know, step-by-step -step instructions. I did some videos, like people are going to love it. And I go to launch it and uh, people were excited about it, but it didn't really take off like I thought it was going to. And so as I started to talk with franchisees, I realized that I wasn't really achieving their, their why, what they needed from the project. So, um, as I started to get that feedback and interview more franchisees, I realized that they really just wanted an automation tool to make it easy. Like, sure, they could copy and paste the post that I did and look through the how-to guides, but I wasn't saving them the time and effort that they were looking for. And so really what it taught me was, A, the importance of leaning on your audience to really get their why, not just having your own notions about what you think is needed and really doing that survey and, and going through that and getting the feedback from the people that were going to use it day in and day out. Um, so that was really important. And then from that, really being able to put that action plan into place and then leaning on a team. So I think I really became kind of that rugged individualist through that process. I'm just going to do it all on my own and wow, everyone, and this is going to be great. And there were people that were way smarter than me had more social media experience than I did. And I think if I just leaned on that community along with that feedback, it would have been a home run. So. Yeah. Just so, so many great learnings in that. And I, I really like that first example of, well, I, I know what my, what, what the people want that I'm preparing this for. And it's what I want and what I think And I've been, yeah. I've been in that too. And you, and you sort of are in this place of, well, I must understand them or maybe I'm the avatar or the yeah. ideal person that I'm trying to attract. And you quickly realize, well, maybe that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, and you went. And so in that moment, <laughs> an inflection point, you went out and it sounds like you started to have more conversations. Yes. Learning. Uh, oh, when yeah. You, when, you, when you go have these conversations with your customers or, or, or potential customers, 
what's a question that you like to ask them to really understand more uh, so you can present your your service? Yeah. So, um, and that was with our franchisees. So essentially our coaches that were going to take this information and put it out into their universe to get more clients. But I always like to ask them, you know, what's working well and what are some areas of opportunity? All right. So I don't want to say what's what's not working necessarily, but there's always room to grow. There's always areas of opportunity for us to do things better. Or I'll ask a specific project, right? So here's what I did with the social media stuff. You know, tell me some things that I could have done a little differently and how we could approve upon it and then, uh, you know, take action on it from there. Yeah. Yeah. There's kind of an art to open to asking those open-ended questions versus leading questions. Yeah. I think in the the marketing world, it can be tempting to sort of drink our own Kool-Aid and validate what we're already thinking. Yeah. But it's great we can ask these open-ended questions because you don't necessarily know what might emerge from that that you can grab hold of. Yeah, you know, make it more more effective. And I love the part too where you said, "Hey, I realized in this moment that I couldn't go it alone. That I couldn't yeah. do, all this, do all this in a vacuum and, and to and to rely on my team." Which leads me to my next question: Was Marissa, what in the world? Ten years from manager to CEO, yeah. um, a, a a being a young CEO in an organization where. You're probably working with people, especially that are more senior in their career, right? Because they're yeah. maybe thinking about starting businesses. What are the what are the pros and cons been of of being, I'll say, maybe earlier uh, in in your career journey? Yeah. Um, even though as the CEO. Yeah. Oh gosh. So that's a loaded question. There's so much I can say on that. So talking about, um, let me start with the cons first. So. I think first and foremost, like I said, this was my first job, you know, right out of school, which has been wonderful in so many ways. But what that also means is I've worked with not only our team, Mm -hmm. but our franchisees, uh, our franchisor members, our clients for that entire time. And so I think a con going through that journey is always challenging yourself to elevate so that they see that change happening with you, right? Because they've seen you at each part of your life cycle there. And so what are you going to do to really help elevate yourself so that they see you in a different light? And that's more of a pressure that I put on myself, really challenging myself. They've been wonderful on this journey with me, but man, I want them to see me grow and make a difference in the company that they believe so much in. So yeah, because oh yeah, I knew Marissa when she was just a manager at this organization. Yeah. And yeah, then just suddenly an intern, really starting wait, wait, what's that? Starting at just an intern, really, an prior intern. to even all of that. So yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a lot of people, you know, they they get pigeonholed, you know, yeah. in, in their job. Maybe they do yeah. they're really they're doing a really great job. People always see them as as that person. And I actually felt in my early jobs. Uh, my career, I felt had that feeling of, hey, I'm known as this guy. Yeah. And it didn't feel very good. And at first, it felt good to sort of be known for something and be like, hey, I feel kind of special. But over time, it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. This is sort of something my wrote. So, so how did you tackle that from, from yeah. being an intern and sort of getting to the next level, starting to change people's perceptions? Yep. Um, so just always looking for ways to elevate myself. So whether it's getting better leadership skills, looking to present things in a different way, um, the surveying, the feedback. So they were seeing that I was reaching out to them 
and wanting to get that feedback in a different way than I have before, and then presenting a priority list from there on action items that we're going to do moving forward. So I think it was just the way I was communicating with them differently, asking for feedback in a different way. They could see that I was um, elevating myself in the industry on behalf of the the entrepreneur source. So I really had to take an intentional approach to the way I was showing up um, and just, you know, never stop growing and learning really so that I can show up in a different way. So were you pursuing like leadership training outside of your company and your, yeah. Yeah, this was so important? Yep. Leadership training. I worked with a coach in the industry. I joined different forums within the industry on a, a smaller level, I joined Toastmasters to help with my presenting skills. So wow. really in so many different facets and ways, just trying to better myself as a professional within the business. So for leaders who want to accelerate their career, it sounds like you're a fan of investing in your career outside of your normal workday. Yeah, you have to. You have to for sure. Hmm. What do you say to people who are like, well, my company should be doing making that investment in me if they think I should be a leader? Um, and you know what? I kind of agree with that statement a little bit. So we as an organization did do that as well. So mm. going back to that Toastmasters example, we opened it up to the entire organization. And in fact, right. we actually post it now. So we have the group okay. that, that comes to our building. So I do think there are some things that a company can do to help move their their team members forward, but I don't think it should stop there. Everyone has their own strategic things that they need. Um, and mm -hmm. so why not go in and do that on your own to make yourself a better individual? I, that is something that I think leaders got to really just sit with. Like Marissa's given us a great example here. Sometimes, I mean, you've got to go outside of what your company's doing for you. Maybe they're not willing to pay for a coach or, or, or willing to, uh, you know, pay for a leadership training. But if you believe that you want to be at the home of an organization or at least accelerate your career and get promoted, you got to be able to make that investment. Yeah. And actually, like there's so much information out there and so many resources. A lot of these things don't cost anything. Mm -hmm. um, so it's no cost. It just takes a little bit of time. And if there is a cost, they tend to be very minimal. So not really a lot to lose either when it comes to making that investment. Any specific training? Uh, well, you, you mentioned Toastmasters being helpful for presenting for, for leaders. And I can see that because the people aren't familiar with Toastmasters, it, you basically get to speak every week in, in front of some people, right? In, in yeah, correct. A few. And sometimes it's more extemporaneous where you don't know the topic. Correct. Sometimes yep. it's more planned. Yep, and, that's and, it. And, and what was your what was your Toastmasters journey like in terms of where you started from when you came and and what yeah. was the transformation like? Uh, so huge transformation. Um, their core focus is helping you with that public speaking, again, whether it's planned. So ha having to do a planned speech in front of people and they give you the structure and the way to, to really structure that presentation so that you captivate an audience and do a really nice job with that. But then they have those table topics where you get a, a quick couple minutes, you don't know the topic and you really have to think on your feet. So more of that networking, if you will, one-to-one -one interaction that you'll have. So uh, it just helps you in so many ways. And there are all different levels within the group. So there are people that are excellent and they just want to keep sharpening that saw. And there are young kids starting out that just want to be better 
you know, in life or through an interview process, for example, and, and then there's people in between. So no matter what level you're at, it will help you uh, mm. do better in that regard. And, and how did it, how did it sneak into your workday in terms of a moment where you had to, you're like, man, I'm really glad I spent that time in Toastmasters yeah. <laughs> for this moment. Yep. So um, prior to me moving into more of that management level and then into CEO, I was more of that backstage person. So I did do a little bit of interacting with our community, with our customers, but I was really helping to build platforms and programs to help move the business forward. When that shift started to happen, it was much more group training, uh, presenting, state of the company type of things that was mm -hmm. really going to help get the organization to rally behind what we were looking to do. So I knew that I had to get better with those presenting skills. And so when I had to make that shift, and I remember the moment, it was at one of our annual conferences where we have everyone together. So it could be upwards of about four or 500 people. I was scared to death. You know, I wanted to do a good job. I wanted my message to come across in the right way. I wanted to be thoughtful, but I couldn't see past anything because I was just so nervous. And while I think I did an okay job, it, it wasn't my worst moment. Um, I could have done better. And so I knew at that point, I said, I, in order for me to get better, just practicing it on my own is, is not going to make it happen. So that's when, again, I started to look into resources. Um, you know, found that that group and then have have just been able to practice from there. And it ha it has helped me tremendously. Yeah. And I love that you reflecting on that moment. I've like a lot of leaders, they just they, they let the moments pass so quickly and they're on to the next thing. But it sounds like you you gave your presentation and you and you had and you took a moment to reflect. You said, hey, I could have done better. And then yeah. you actually took the extra step to solve your own problem. Yeah. Do the research put it into use. And uh, I suspect you you rely on those speaking skills every single day now, CEO. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. So thinking about your career journey again, what's been um, maybe a pro to to have ha having grown up inside the organization and becoming CEO? Yeah. So uh, I think the pro is just a the experience. So going back to just my my age within the company, and like you said, definitely working with people that are more tenure and and older than me. I used to get in my own head about that a lot, but. What I also realized, the flip side is I do have over a decade of experience within the entrepreneur source, a lot of historical knowledge um, with that, that, that goes along with that. And then additionally, you know, the team that we work with and our customers and our franchisees have been on this journey with me. So I do feel like um, it just pushes me in a different way. I really have nothing to be afraid of. I don't have to lack confidence in some situations or get in my own head about things because everyone is going through this together. And I have that historical knowledge to really help make smarter decisions for the company and drive things forward that, yes, someone that maybe has a little bit more tenure might come in, 
but they may not be able to make that same decision because they don't have that that background and that historical knowledge and have worked with the team in the ways that I've been able to do over that time. That is an often missed advantage. A lot of times people want to bring in like a CEO from the outside because they have experience in all these other companies, but they don't have the experience in your company. Now, yeah. sometimes if things haven't been going so well, maybe they need a fresh start. But a lot of times, yeah. man, promoting from within is a great way, number one, to say, hey, we value the history and the experience of people inside this organization. Yeah. And it certainly does give you an advantage of knowing where, hey, is that a problem that we've been seeing for for five yeah. years? Yeah. Or is it something new? Yeah. And uh, just, just really, really powerful stuff. Now, thinking about your long tenure, they've been able to retain you. Uh, how do you approach employee turnover and employee retention Yeah, as, as a CEO today for the rest of the yep. company? Oh, gosh. And it's hard. The, the corporate world is hard today. And I think it's just with, you know, some of the, the different age categories, if you will, you know, I feel like change is a constant thing in today's environment. So um, first and foremost, I mean, turnover is is never a great thing, right? It's just having to hit the reset button so often, take team members away from their day-to-day work life to have to retrain new people and go through that process over and over again it is not beneficial to the organization. And I think too, if you have constant turnover, it affects the rest of the team because they're looking around like, why do people keep leaving? You know, what am I missing here? Is there something better outside yeah. of the company? What is it? Exploring? Yes. So, and I think those are obvious facts, right? Not great all the way around. But another thing that I think is worse, and you have to be aware of this, is keeping people on too long that just don't fit your culture. I think that could be more detrimental than people you know, that just keep leaving that that turnover approach, because what that's doing is you have people that are working tremendously hard around them. They fit the company's mission and values. They're excited to be there. And then they see this individual that is not a good culture fit. They're taking advantage of, you know, the system or the organization. And um, it starts to affect their work ethic and how they show up every day. And so I do think to you, you have to be aware of the individuals on your team, doing a cut, gut check often to make sure that they're fitting in with your team, your mission and values, they're hitting the objectives that you have in place. And if not, being able to make those shifts sooner than later, because if you just let them go through life and keep them on, that also is going to, to affect mm-hmm. your team. But all of that goes down to culture too. So we always like to say here at the Entrepreneur Source, we're not doing brain surgery, thankfully. No one's going to die on the table if we make a mistake, if we try something new, if we test something. So we do like to encourage that. We like to have fun along the way. Um, we'll do a lot of virtual happy hours, in-person happy hours, get-togethers at the company. So really trying to keep the culture fun, lighthearted, and encourage people to, to you know, take risks and test new things out. Yeah, and the risk-taking... There can be innovation and creativity, but also there can be a lot of mistakes and failures when you're encouraging employees to take risk. As a CEO, how do you talk about risk-taking to your employees? Yes. And how they they should do it. Yep. Um, So we use that example a lot that I just said, and that comes Mm -hmm. directly from our founder. So he would always say, you know, take risks. Again, the type of company we're in 
No one's going to die in the operating table. So you really have nothing to lose. Um, And so that's something that has just stuck with me. But another thing that he says, which is one of the things that I think has shaped me as a leader is um, treat the company as if it's your own, right? So act as if and, and act as if you are the owner and founder of this company. And when you do that, you think and act a little differently, right? So you're not just a marketing individual. You're not just a staff accountant. You are the owner of the company. And so what are you going to do to test something new or keep the company moving forward or keep ourselves cutting edge? Because if you do own the company, right, those are the things you need to be thinking of and not just your day-to-day daily activities. So, so good. And, And that's the trick, right? How can you get employees to take ownership and treat it like it's theirs because then if they're going to take a risk yeah. they're going to mitigate the impact of it because they don't want to sink the business they yeah. want the business to flourish yeah uh, what are you so you you encourage them to take this ownership mindset yep what what other kinds of ways or maybe what's another strategy that or advice you have for leaders who are like you know what i want my employees to take ownership but it's just not happening. What what do I do to, to make that happen? Yeah. Um, so the first step for me with that is to look within too. So how are you acting with the team when they're trying new things or testing new things? And we we went through this exercise, you know, a little bit where a previous leader um, was not very receptive when there were mistakes made or to testing new things, or ultimately he had to be the decision maker at the end of the day. And so he was really dimming that light for the team. Mm. So first thing is look within, and that's a hard thing to do sometimes, right? Because you're like, no, it's not a me thing. It's, it's my team. But, um, if you could just do that one thing and really, you know, encourage mistakes to happen. That's the best way to learn and say, okay, what do we learn from that? And what are we going to do differently next time? And maybe using a tool to help with that exercise. I think that in and of itself would foster the team to to have that ownership mindset and feel like they can try some new things. And if they fail, that's okay. Their manager or that CEO or whoever they're, they're reporting to will foster that with them. Yeah, so good. Start start with yourself. Are you role modeling it? Yeah. Can you show some mistakes that you've made? Yeah. Uh, that yeah. you know that are risk taking that yeah. that that have paid off or maybe not. Yeah. Uh, is is there a favorite failure on your on your radar screen that you've had that that's um, helped you learn or or accelerate your career? Uh oh yeah, many. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um. No, that that social media story, you know, mm-hmm. sticks out, but things along those those lines. So when you a don't get the the feedback that's needed, we like to do a lot of surveying, anonymous surveying, because it gets some really open and honest feedback is is huge. But I think the biggest thing too is that rugged individualist mindset. Um, I think it's okay to admit you don't know everything, and there are people that are way smarter than you. And once you can admit that to the team and say, hey, I, you know, I may not be the best person to provide advice on this or, or lead this initiative. Um, That's always been where I've had the most failures is when I try to do it all myself or think I know everything about the matter and not really getting the, 
you know, the proper feedback and team in place to help move things forward. What advice would you give your younger self today or something different that you would have tried? Um, so I think the best advice I would give to my younger self is just confidence. Have the confidence and belief in yourself. I oftentimes doubted myself through this journey. And again, going back to our earlier conversation, Ben, about just my age and my tenure in the company and the way I was shifting within the organization, I just didn't think people were gonna believe in me, get behind what I was presenting. And I had to get out, out of my own way with that. I was playing my own movie and it wasn't necessarily true. And so just have the confidence and belief in yourself and that will completely change your mindset and the way you approach mm. things. So when you when you have a crisis of confidence, and we all do in certain moments, what's your advice for leaders? Um. So what I do, and it's just kind of to look back and show my my progress and help me stay out of the gap. When I am getting positive feedback from the team or from our coaches or killer months or just moments in my career to where I'm like, wow, I'm really so proud of that. And I had an impact on that. I mm -hmm. save it in a folder. And I know yeah. that probably sounds so corny, but I go back and I just look through that and I'm like, okay, you know, I... I had a really bad day or a really bad moment or an, an initiative that didn't go off as planned. But here are all of the things that went really well and the progress that I'm making. So whether you want to journal it or save it or whatever you do, but don't forget those those moments and look back on them because it'll keep you energized. It'll keep you going. Hmm. I really like that tip. Yeah. Because leaders is sometimes feel like, well, it's all about, you know, what have you done for me lately? And it's it, it's hard to find and maintain high levels of confidence when you're always moving on to the next thing. But if you take the minute to look back and you're like, wow, yeah, I'm recognizing where I was 10 years ago. Oh, absolutely. Or the challenges that I've already overcome of, hey, I'm in a moment of crisis at the company or in whatever part of life, but I've overcome also other big challenges. Yeah. It just get, it can give you that extra boost to go out and tackle it. Absolutely. Yeah. Marissa, it's been a really fun interview today. What's your what's your parting thought for listeners? Um, so my parting thoughts again is just to believe in yourself and have the confidence to just move forward, whatever it is that you're focusing on, and continue that education for yourself. I promise you it will take you to new heights, it will move you forward, not just professionally, but personally as well. Thanks, Marissa. Thanks so much, Ben. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of The Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.